All right, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, this is Tom here from Tennis of Melbourne. Today, I'm very, very lucky to have Dirk. Dirk, you want to say hello to our family in Tennis of Melbourne? Hey, everybody in Melbourne, welcome.、Mm-hmm. Okay,、uh, firstly, Dirk,、uh, can you remember the first time you came to Melbourne and what was it like? Yeah, coming to Melbourne is mostly when you come from Europe related to the Australian Open, and、um, my first time coming to the Australian Open was 1999、uh, with Rainer Schüttler, who just came from a tournament win in Doha,、um, getting to 16 in the world, but had to play qualification.、Mm-hmm. And、um, yeah, it was a great time, and I remember、um, how the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a big atmosphere in the stadium, and、mm-hmm. Rainer qualified, and then he lost in the first round.、Mm-hmm. I also was together with Alex Radulescu, which was also main draw playing in Australia, in Melbourne. So yeah, that was my first time in Melbourne. Okay,、um, do you think Melbourne, because the heat, you know, we get up to forty, forty-five degrees, is that hard for European players? Yeah, it's like I think tough for every player in the world if it's getting up to this temperature. And、mm-hmm. one of the challenges in Melbourne is the change of the weather, the change of the temperature. We have sometimes in one day changing from twenty degrees.、Um, so that is really tough. But、um, yeah, every Grand Slam has、um, his own rules and own difficulties, and、um, it's for everybody the same temperature. Okay, beautiful. Now, Dirk,、um, I've I've known you from、uh, my my compatriots Randy Liu, and I've seen you working with you know num- number of top players.、Um, what is one thing that you think you are so unique with in terms of your style of coaching or experience? I don't think that I'm really unique. I was lucky to. Have the chance to work with a lot of good players, especially like I coached Rainer Schüttler over 20 years.、Mm-hmm. Um, my first player was Alex Radulescu,、um, but I also worked、um, same when I was with Rainer for 12 years with Lars Buxmüller, and、um, he had his Melbourne fan group. I remember this, and、um, I worked with Randy Lu and Danai Udomshok. I remember him in Melbourne. Playing to Ferrero and beating him when Ferrero was a top player.、Uh, Yanko had a lot of really exciting and tough matches. I coached for,、um, yeah, also to the end of his career. Now he's coach himself, and、um, I'm working now with Ricardo Berangis, for example.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, like、um, I think it's important to see each player and not having. Um, a philosophy which has to fit for every player. You have to see what are the unique things on each player and um, work um, special with him to make the best out of his game. Not、um, having a game which the player has to fulfill. Now I, I know I know that、um, you pay attention to to details, and、uh, I, I know that it's say let's say for example German engineering, you know, with the likes of say BMW and all that, it's always down to to details. Uh, what are some of the details you look at when you, when there's a new player, man or woman, whoever, or even juniors, when they ask you certain things and talk? What are some of the things, little details or traits you look for in order for them to become a better player? Yeah, it's、um, <laughs> I'm not able to make good cars, but、um, 
and maybe helping some players in, yeah, like looking for details is not unimportant and, um, you know, you put a lot of small steps together to make a big step and, um, yeah, like normally I try to teach a player that he has to make the game, that he has to decide what game is played on the court, that he has to more um, bring his opponent to the um, point to play what he wants to play. And um, the second point, which I think is very important, is most of my players was quite successful with um, not being too far behind the baseline and dominating the game. I'm a big fan of Andre Gessi, for example, which um, yeah, like um, made the game fast, which decided the pace on the match. Um, like this is a little bit more what I like to implement if the player is able to play this. Right. Okay. So, as a coach for so many years, uh, what is what do you think one difference? What do you think one difference between a good coach and a great coach? Yeah, like I think a good coach has to know his um, the basic and um, has to um, yeah like be educated in a lot of aspects. And um, for me, it's important that a coach is not thinking in a short term. Like if mm. you work with a player, you have to see it like a puzzle. You have to put together the puzzle of the player and get the best possible player out of the puzzle and then you start to work on this and um, you know it's like important that you have a goal that you when you work with a 16 year old player that mm -hmm. you try to make him to the best possible player when he's 21, 22 mm -hmm. not um, thinking on the next week or on any short term results. Um, believe that you have to develop a player and especially um, points of health of um, long career you know, Rainer played um, up to 12, 36, 37. Now you see Roger nearly 40 mm -hmm. and be still um, on the top of his game. And you see Novak, you know, I worked with him um, especially the year before he came to Australia and played the juniors in the semifinal. Mm -hmm. Like all these players are showing how long um, you can have a career if you take care of your body. Wow. So... Okay, so you even work with the junior players. Now let's work on the track on the, on the side of parents. Now, when you when you're working with the junior players, you obviously have to you know communicate with with parents. Now, in your in your experience, what is one tip for tennis parents across the world? You know, parents without parents, I always like to say um, you don't have kids, so you need parents, and mm -hmm. parents have the most important role in the career of their kids. But um, as a parent, you have to teach your kids everything, behavior, social, um, school. And so I think um, if I would have kids, unfortunately, I don't have them, but I would not coach them. But mm -hmm. on the other way, I would be involved. I would have a very careful eye. Mm -hmm. What is a coach doing? Is he doing a good job? Does he have a plan? And um, I would be supporting my kid as much as I could without getting involved in the details. You also have to trust people. And if you choose, let's say if I choose a tax advisor, I trust him and listen to him. And I also don't tell my dentist mm -hmm. how to fix my teeth. So also I think parents should trust the coach if they choose them. And they have to 
monitor, they have to carefully look that everything is doing good, they have a lot of communication with their kid, but they should not get inside the coaching and in the details and be a little bit taking them um, aside by themselves. Beautiful. Beautiful. I hope all, a lot of um, uh, parents listening will be, you know, will be very useful. Now, about the junior players you mentioned earlier, what do you think one one most common mistakes? One most common mistake that junior players made these days? Yeah, what I already mentioned, um, short-term success. You know, like I started with Rainer Schüttler when he was sixteen, and he was not even in the top ten in the German junior ranking in his age, and. Um, I think we um, had together a long-term plan. He went to school until 19, so mm -hmm. to develop him. And the second thing is the health. So long-term plan, how to get a good player, and always taking care that the health is um, number one of the development. Um, you know, if a junior is coming with a bad shoulder, but tells you he's serving since 220, mm -hmm. um, he's making something wrong. Um, you cannot... Um, overuse your body. You have to make your tennis and your body in one in one way. Both have to proceed, and um, then you have the chance of getting the best out of your tennis when you are twenty two, twenty five, whatever. So I notice a lot of say the players that you work with, like Randy, you know, uh, Tisparovic and uh, Rainer. Uh, I was, last time I saw Rainer, and he was still playing a high-level tennis few, uh, only a few years ago, in I think with singles qualities. But what I wanted to say is, you earlier mentioned about development. Are you saying if you focus on the development, the players are more likely to play longer on tour? Yeah, I think um, if they are healthy, they can play long. Mm -hmm. And Rainer, you saw him on his last match, was for the Australian Open qualification. <laughs> and yeah, like he really um, wanted uh, more or less to play one time more Australia and stop his career. And this time he had a beautiful girlfriend, which is now his wife. He has two kids and he, after 20 years on the tour, wanted really to settle down and... Um, yeah, stop with the traveling and makes makes the next step of his life. And I think he's very happy. He's right now with me, with his two kids. And um, yeah, I think it was a good career he had, um, a great career. And um, he's very successful. He's German Federation Cup coach, um, captain right now. He's owning together with Jon Tiak an ATP tournament, which he's running in Geneva. Mm -hmm. And he's um, yeah, chairman of the GPTCA, the only coach organization wow. which is um, certified by ATP mm -hmm. and makes some other business. So, yeah, like he has a full um, life um, outside um, his own playing tennis, but he still plays very good and is very fit. So, um, yeah, like I think he did everything right. Right. Now, earlier you mentioned about development. Would you encourage, because in Australia, we love different sports, you know, football and soccer and all kinds of sports, swimming. Do you encourage tennis players to try or take up different sports uh, while they're playing tennis? Um, you know, a lot of people saying you should play a lot of sports and, you know, it's maybe right when you are 9 or 10 and um, good. But if you really want to um, be on the top, um, you don't have the time to play different sports. 
um, you have to focus on your tennis, but you have to make a lot of sport for your body, like um, gym, mm -hmm. um, exercises to um, yeah, take care that your body is um, developing and what I said, has no health issues. I don't think that you'll really be able to play a lot of sports and um, play tennis in a high-level competitive. Oh, okay. Now, um, earlier I touched on uh, the coaching side. If I may, I'll come back to this part. Is that what is one advice to young tennis coaches? I think you always have to be ready to learn. And um, you never, you know, like I learned everything on the tour with other coaches and talking with them, listening, um, also having like, say, like um, aspects outside, forehand and backhand, like mm -hmm. um, what I thought, spoke about health, about mental issues, mm -hmm. about a lot of things which you should develop and you never be ready and finished with your knowledge and you always have to learn again and um, if you have the patient then I think you should be no, not afraid to bring a player up to the top um, I think I was 36 when I started um, to coach on the tour because I had the chance to be um, independent mm -hmm. um, from my other companies and I think it's very important to be independent and to um, say the truth to the player, be always honest and um, not to be afraid that the player could leave you. You know, if you're starting to be afraid, you are starting to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think you should have your way. You should be listening to the player. You should be able to have a good communication with the player. But if you develop yourself, um, then I think this is the most important for a young coach. Okay, so you mentioned about mental health. Do you think all the coaches should have some sort of mentor, both in and outside tennis? I believe that it's very helpful and um, can help uh, every person to develop in a better way. And, you know, like you have to be your own, you have to find your own style. You have to find your own way. But it's always important to get advices and get inspired by people with um, experience. So I think both um, is important. Okay. So uh, many coaches I've, I've uh, had a conversation with, sometimes they say they hit a bottleneck. You know, let's say they hit the wall, they're starting to have self-doubt, they're not sure they're doing the right thing. What would you suggest or what's your one tip for them? You know, to, um, again, I repeat it, to have somebody in mm -hmm. case you are not sure by yourself, which you can speak to, which has maybe more experience than you, and to get his advice and um, always be open. Never think there's only one way. What we say in Europe, there are many ways to roam, mm -hmm. but there are also many wrong ways. And to find the right way and also to question yourself and to listen to other people and to get experience advices um, from other experienced coaches is some point which can help you in these moments. Okay. Now, one last thing about the coaching and the parents. Now, in, in Melbourne, we have many parents who are also coaches. Um, sometimes it's, they say it's hard because you've got to play two different roles at the same time. So do you have any tips on um, parents who are, I mean, Tsitsipas dad is also, you know, around him. Um, uh, Martina Hingis, I think, was mom. Uh, 
Coke, uh, who else? Uh, Venus Williams and Serena Williams. You know, what are some of the tips that you think our parents are also as coaches? As I said, I prefer if parents are not the coaches of their own kids, mm-hmm. even if they are very good coaches. Yep. But I also say, like, there are many people I just met um, some minutes before we started our talk in Twitter, somebody, yeah, Tsitsipas has to change his coach and uh, fire the father. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the father was the coach which was coaching him until he was um, yesterday in the night against Courage. Mm-hmm. Five one up, and he had six match points. So <laughs> I don't think it's a problem of the father. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, these advices from people outside um, are really not helpful, and um, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. On the other way, you know, like the most, you know, every situation is different, and it, as you said, it um, worked very well on Hingis, and it works on Tsitsipas, and the uncle coached. Um, uh, Rafa Nadal, yeah. um, his whole career to so many titles. Mm-hmm. Um, there are examples that it's working and um, that's fine. But um, again, like parents have a lot of um, responsibilities um, towards their kids and to add one as a full-time coach is very difficult. Mm, okay. Now, just one one little questions about the technical side of tennis. Now, I personally really, really like backhand slice. And I think it brought a new, new pattern and new approach to especially women's tennis. Now, what is your approach on backhand slice? I think it's a... Um, interesting and <laughs> sometimes working alternative, but I'm not a big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more a fan to dominate a game, which you're not doing with the slice mostly. You are taking the speed out. You are mm-hmm. trying to break the rhythm of your opponent. Um, I'm more a fan of, uh, let's say, the mosquito technique play to cross one long line, make your um, opponent suffer and um, bring him under pressure. Right. Okay. Now, in Australia, we love playing our doubles. You know, with Whitford and Woodbridge. Now, a lot of junior players love doubles. In your experience, what is one tip playing doubles? First of all, you um, find the best partner. <laughs> uh, second, <laughs> second, you have to enjoy it and uh-huh. to have a good um, understanding with your partner. Uh-huh. Um, third of all, I think it helps your overall game. I like if, um, especially juniors are playing doubles. Mm-hmm. And I think it can help their game a lot to develop, mm-hmm. and especially on the volley side, as we know, but also in the focus, in returns, in all over the game. It's a helpful tool for them, and it's a pity if they don't mm-hmm. play it at all. Mm-hmm. And think only single is important. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think more and more um, right now double is coming back and um, the double uh, level is going up. You know, when I started, um, double players was all overweighted and didn't practice. And um, today um, it's completely the opposite. They are professional, they have coaches, they are practicing very hard mm-hmm. and they are playing on a very high level. And I must say I'm a big fan of double. Oh, okay, okay. Now, do you? Um, what is your one tip? What is your one tip on volley? Because I know a lot of junior players they they had trouble with you know if it's too close. They you know it just te- technical wise. What is your one trip? One tip for uh, volley? If you want to improve your volley, go to a wall. I think this helps a lot. 
Um, you know, volley is, um, yeah, on a wall you can volley with yeah. yourself and um, that's a very good exercise, mm -hmm. especially now in Corona times. Mm -hmm. um, no, but um, I think there are two ways of volleys which you have to discuss. So one is a volley in doubles mainly when you stay on the net and somebody hits hard on you and mm -hmm. you have to react. And the second thing is the approach. I think the volley is less a problem than the approach. Mm -hmm. And this is something which is not enough um, worked on. You know, in practice, you have to much more work on your approach. When is the right moment? How to go to the net? How is the footwork? When to wait? And I think that um, body will get more important in future than it's right now. Right. Okay, that was beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, um, for those who don't know Dirk, um, if I may, Dirk, I'm just going to touch something outside tennis, something light side about you, if you will. Now, Dirk, number one, do you drink coffee? I love espresso. Okay, alrighty. Dirk, you've been travel. I'm assuming you travel around the world. You've been to many, many cities. Now, in your opinion, honest opinion, which city has the best coffee? Uh, to be honest, wherever I am, I have the best coffee because I bring mostly my espresso machine with me. So when I'm traveling, for example, to Melbourne, I'm coming with my own Nespresso machine. <laughs> and um, I love to smoke, as you know. So um, I love to sit on the balcony of my um, small apartment. And um, I always um, go to Richmond and stay there in the Adara. Mm -hmm. hotel and um, then I be on my balcony and I love everybody visit me and drink the coffee with me. Oh, so you don't have any city that has the best, you just have your own machine, you travel with you. Yes, I have my own machine, even I have, for example, in London, I have a machine always in London, it's a Lavazza mm -hmm. um, limited machine, which I got from, as a present and um, every year the family which I know, they bring me my coffee machine and my coffee pets and um, so I can enjoy the coffee there with my own machine. Right, okay. Nice, nice. I like it. Now, um, do you eat pizza? Not too much, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I never was a big fan of pizza and second, my weight is anyway too much, so mm -hmm. I have to try to avoid pizza as much as possible. Okay. Now, I, I did a little uh, poll recently with uh, with my with uh, uh, the subscribers, the followers, should I say? And um, I just realized half of the world don't like pineapples on pizza. Do you like pineapple on pizza? I love pineapple on Yay! pizza. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So you love your pineapples. Maybe next time, if you ever come to Melbourne, you know. Um, let me know. I'll bring you. A, oh, actually, you have your own coffee. I'll, I'll, I'll have. I'll, I'll say hi to you. And then, if you want a pineapple on pizza, I'm more than happy to give a, a shout you one. Um, last but not least, um, Dirk, I want to thank you for your time. And uh, I, I really think that uh, you you've done a lot for tennis. Now, last part of this uh, this conversation is that, as you know, that U.S. Open is still uh, is doing really, really. It's it's really exciting. Um, Let's talk about men's side. What are some of your approach, and what would you would you say some of the um, you know the key factors of of winning, and also who are some of the favorites in your opinion? Let's say yeah, I agree. The U.S. Open um, did a great um, effort to make it happen, and in mm -hmm. these difficult times, it's mm -hmm. 
Yeah, first of all, gratulations with all the difficulties which we have even saw yesterday night uh, with the match of Manario against Zverev mm -hmm. and the government. Yeah, like it's very tough to make this tournament in this moment. It's great for tennis that it happens and that tennis can show that it's possible to play and that we are one of the sports which is perfect, especially in these difficult times with the distance we have. So we can play, everybody can play tennis and stay healthy and um, don't have to be afraid normally about the virus. I think that's a very important message. And mm -hmm. yeah, like coming back to the US Open, um, Novak is right now the player which um, has a record of 27 to 0. So mm -hmm. this year we don't have to be question who is the favorite. It's Novak, nobody else. But um, there are some players um, which are playing outstanding good. And um, I must say I'm very proud about our German, Sascha Zverev, mm -hmm. um, which yesterday in a... Great thing. I think um, it's not really enough. Under said, yes, no, I'm waiting. I'm sitting and wait for Manayo. I want to play. I don't want to win without game. Um, to have this way in the third round and to go on court three hours later and not even starting to shout, losing the first set and then winning three sets. Um, I think he improved a lot um, as a person, as a sports person, as a tennis player. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to count on him. And um, he showed that he's able to beat Novak um, mm -hmm. in the final of the World Championships two years ago. So yeah. he's one of the guys we have to take serious. And um, Dominic Team on the other way, who already was able to come to some finals, um, is uh, one to look and okay, always not to forget Medvedev who was in the final last year also played impressive the first round so yeah, I think these are the players I would mention and first and still there are some others is playing pretty well tennis. Right. Now, um, as you said, we, you know, you got to look in a longer picture. Now, earlier today, I've, I've talked to coaches. We talked about US Open and French Open. It's literally a few weeks away and they have a French Open. As a coach, what are the, some of the things you'll do with your players finishing US Open leading to French Open. We're talking surface. We're talking traveling. We're talking, you know, uh, potential, you know, um, you know, hygiene and all that stuff. What are some of the things that you guys are going to work on, and you know, um, be, uh, with with a whole schedule? You know, first of all, let me say we are too much right now thinking about. Oh my God, that is three weeks difference. Yeah, we have in the summer three weeks difference between French Open and Wimbledon, mm -hmm. which is a much bigger transition than um, going from a hard court to a clay court. And, um, you know, we are speaking about, oh my God, this is like difficult. In former times, the players played five set singles uh, match, five set double match on the same day. Um, you know, um, I think we are too much um, seeing the difficulties. We are all sportlers and the rules are for all the same. And, um, yeah, so I don't see this as a really big problem. I see a much bigger problem for the organizers mm -hmm. to get um, to get these tournaments done with all the COVID rules, with all what you have to make, um, sh to make sure that the health of players, of the staff and everybody is taken care of. And 
I must say, and back to Melbourne, I really must um, gratulate the Tennis Australia and mm -hmm. the whole staff. Um, Greg Tidy, I was in a conference call last week, and um, how they prepare the Australian Open, how much they are working, how much they are taking care of all the aspects of the Australian summer by... In, in times where you don't know what is the virus doing, what is the situation doing, I must say they really should get all the medal for mm -hmm. what they are doing and how hard they are working. And I think all players should be thankful for what these organizers are right now doing for them. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. No. Um, Dirk, last question, if I may, to finishing off, is that you've been around tennis so many, many years. If you can really come down to one thing, what do you think tennis has taught you? I think tennis is, and I must say, this is the best sport somebody can, can do. You know, like you are um, by your own, you have to manage um, tennis players. Um, they are not in a team. Nobody, nobody is taking care of them, really. They have to take care of themselves and they have to learn to fight. They have to learn to concentrate. You never won a match, as we have seen yesterday night on Courage mm -hmm. against Tsitsipas. You have to fight to the end. You have to focus to the end. You have to, you know, like um, every tournament, 50% of the players are losing in the first round. And you have to go over this. You have to deal with losses. This is part of your game. Um, you know, we have, um, as we know, 100 players in the top 100. Only one has won every match this year, which is even outstanding. Mm. But everybody has to learn to lose and to lose in dignity and to keep on going, to keep on working. And if you learn this attitude, then you'll be ready for your life after tennis. Because we never should forget that even if you have a long career of 20 years, your life normally is four times as long as your <laughs> tennis career. And you have to be able... To, to be a surviving in the rest of your life, and tennis helps you um, in this as a sport in a perfect way. Outside, and let me finish with this, the last study I saw last week from the Swedish University, tennis players are living 10 years longer than the rest of the world. Um, soccer players maybe six years, runners maybe four years, um, gym people two years. So tennis is the most healthy sport which you can play, and I think this is a message every tennis player should be happy that he's playing tennis. Oh, nice, nice, beautiful, beautiful. Now, Dirk, I got to say, if I may, uh, because you're such a, a wonderful, wonderful person to speak to, maybe somewhere down the track, maybe somewhere during, you know, French, before or after French Open, I really, really would love to, you know, have another similar conversation, uh, more about your tennis and more about, you know, inspiring people around the world, or especially in here in Melbourne. So uh, I, myself, Tom, behalf of Tennis of Melbourne community, uh, I want to thank you, thank you, and thank you. <laughs> thank you, and thank you, Melbourne. It's a beautiful city. It's really just very far away, unfortunately, from Frankfurt, but it's such a living, nice, expiring city. I always love to be um, coming to the Australian Open. Okay, beautiful, Dirk. You take care, look after yourself, and, and hopefully uh, I may see you in uh, Australian Open 2021. For sure. Okay, see you then. Bye-bye, Dirk. Bye-bye. All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, this convo just came in like literally five minutes beforehand. Uh, Ill-prepared, but I got through. Anyway, thank you very much. 
listening on Spotify and Castbox. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have uh, Dirk uh, for a convo. Uh, if you're listening, uh, if you're out, outside Melbourne, um, I don't know why I felt a little bit uh, nervous, but uh, I feel like I'm okay. I, I, I did okay. So thanks again for listening. Feel free to share and uh, stay safe. Uh, my name's Tom. Love you all. Bye bye.